welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Tarek. Hello, everybody. And Garrett. Hello, everybody. And today we're talking about uh, a day at the range. What we like to do when we go to the range to go and train. We're not talking about, well, practice. We're not talking about uh, going to the range under instruction of someone else who teaches you things. And we're not talking about going to the range for a match day. Uh, we're specifically talking about practicing your gun skills when you do live fire. Obviously, there's there's some some dry fire that should be happening in addition to live fire. But occasionally, we have to shoot guns in order to get better at shooting guns. And that's what we're oh, doing no. today. Yeah, I hate it. Not all shooting guns. All that noise. and It's mostly the picking Good. up of the brass I don't like. And the dust. So you need a range at work with people to pick it up for you. Yeah. Fuck. I recommend it I, highly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean I shouldn't have cleaned your range? You steal my brass, bitch. No, it's all there. I, I even left oh. my brass. Oh, no, that was stupid. <laughs> my brass now. All your brasses belong to me. All, all your no. base belongs to us. <laughs> I don't know why you did that, Corn. Because I felt bad leaving the range in the state that it was in when I was ready to go. Uh, because I didn't find it looking like that. Let me see what it looks like after two cases of shotgun. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Also, that 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 nice sort of atmosphere the, the shotgun creates hanging like... It's quite nice when you can see the air you breathe. It makes you feel sort of part of the food chain. <laughs> I, I I particularly like that too. It's got a nice, it's got a nice gunston plane when you lead. inhale it. It's it's uh, it's pretty cool. My lungs are strong. <laughs> We've gone off the rails already. We're sorry about yeah. that, even though we're not. Uh, so, uh, Gaz, you spend the most time on the range between the uh, the three of us. I suspect Eric's. Um, in sort of inverted quotes, working at work when he's actually shooting on the on the indoor range, excluded. Uh, he's smiling like I'm lying. <laughs> Gaz, you want to tell us about uh, how often you go to the range um, and and get us led into this topic so we can tell people what we like to do when we go to the range? Yeah, sure. So for me, I'm typically at the range to live fire at least twice a week. Um, it is during the week, but because I can work for myself, I can work the time around. Uh, normally Tuesday and Thursday, so I spread it out throughout the week. And I'm typically taking at least 250 rounds with me, but I'll take some extras with. If I'm having a good session, I'll use some extra ammo, typically not more than 100 over that. So maximum I'm going to be running typically is about 350 rounds per session. Makes sense. And uh, is there a like a standardized ritual that you do when you go to the range? Do you Do you always start with a specific drill? or a specific set of skills and end with a specific set of skills and then train something else in the middle or you go to work on a single skill or how do you structure it typically? So the the trip to the range starts long before you plan to go to the range, if that makes any sense. You need to spend some time working out what you're going to be doing at the range because you need to have that structure. Otherwise, you're going to go and do the same things that you're good at that you did last week. So Typically, my session is going to start with something accuracy-based, and nine times out of ten, that's going to be some sort of grouping, which is also going to include shooting groups, strong hand and weak hand unsupported. All of the accuracy-based stuff that I do now is is unsupported. I'm not doing it off a bench, so that's something else to keep in mind. So I think uh, Gaz mentioned that's really important is, is having a plan. A lot of people make the mistake of going to the range to go shoot a bit. And that very quickly turns into doing a little bit of the stuff that you're good at or that you like to do, you know, the fun stuff. And then either spending the whole day just doing endless repetitions of something that, that you're good at or a little bit of constructive practice. And then, you know, the rest of the day spent on ballistic masturbation, um, turning money into noise for the sake of it, shooting dirt clumps. And, and if your goal is to go plink a little bit, well, that's awesome, but uh, you're probably not listening to the show. Then, if your goal is to get better at something, that's not going to help you. Um, you know, if you've got a 1.7 second bull drill and you can't keep everything in the A zone at 25 meters, what you don't need to be doing is working on a 1.6 second bull drill. You need to be learning how to hit the A zone at 25 meters. So, it's really, it's a really solid idea to go to the range with a plan. Uh, um, and and have a have a structure. What what do I need to work on? Um, you know, it, it may be something. You know, I wouldn't panic if something goes. If you fumble a a reload at a match, that's not the end of the world. If your reloads are generally crappy, uh, go do that. Um, 
I I'm I generally do quite well at strong hand stages at matches and at weekend stages at matches. Not because I love doing them, but because I shoot it often enough, not to the extent that Gaz does, but I do it often enough that I manage to be reasonable at it. Uh, and most guys are not doing that sort of thing. So it's a really good idea to have a plan. You can write it down. You can have a goal, keep a record, go to the range and go, what am I going to work on um, today? And do those things, not, oh, shit, that didn't go so well, so let me go feel good about myself and, and do a drill that I'm good at. So, fun fact with that, uh, with the strong hand weekend stuff, uh, obviously, I didn't really get to shoot over lockdown, uh, so I've been trying to catch up on some of my range time since some of the ranges reopened, and I shot two bull, uh, not bull draws, two dot torches in a row the other day. Uh, I shot one with a Colt railgun, and I shot one with my carry gun, just to get back into it. Turns out I can still shoot. I'm not absolutely trash after the lockdown. Turns out that I can't shoot weekend anymore. Um, I, I, I have some additional problems with weekend over and above what most people have because I have some problems with my weak arm. Um, but I shot both bull drills clean, except for the fact that I couldn't put a single round in the in the in the you mean circle. Torches, dot torches, yeah, not bull drills. Sorry, I, I shot the the entire dot torture clean with both guns, except for the weekend only bit. And with the railgun, I got two out of five rounds in. And with my carry gun, lightweight commander, I got zero out of five rounds in, having shot the, the rest of it completely clean. Uh, so that's a perishable skill. If you don't do that uh, relatively often, that's going to go away pretty rapidly. Um, surprisingly and bad. To, to strong hand and weak hand shooting, it's, it'll make your other shooting better. Uh, you know, it's one of those, it's a little bit like pistol shooting will often make your rifle shooting better. If you spend a little bit of time, you know, and it's soul crushing, but if you stand at 25 meters and shoot strong hand and weak hand groups, it will get better if you make an effort. But uh, what's also going to happen is the rest of your shooting will improve as well because it's it's a great thing to force fundamentals. Um, and always remember that fundamentals are the crutch of the talentless. Uh, I have no talent, so I try and apply the fundamentals as hard as I can. So something else to keep in mind with... Um preparing yourself for a practice session is analysis you need to look at your shooting and your current skill set with an open mind you don't need to be harsh on yourself you just need to figure out what needs your attention the most and then plan your session around that and make sure that you're being diverse with what you're doing you know so a dot torch is an excellent drill but doing 10 in a row you're going to end up running through diminishing returns oh, absolutely so, so just make sure that you are working around that and that you keep yourself motivated carefully with your shooting yep so I'm, I'm pretty fortunate because i have a range at work so uh, it allows me to spend a you know it's, a, it's easier for me to run downstairs and, and and do a little bit of shooting so it allows me multiple trips to the range something i used to do when i when i didn't have that option when i could only go to the range once once a week you know for, for outside of matches is i would put aside ammo to do some carry gun stuff. So I do the majority of my session with, with my competition gun. And then I would end off the session with 50 rounds through my carry gun, uh, just as a way to, to keep on top of those skills and keep them fresh in my mind. Uh, it, so now what I'll generally do is I'll have sort of carry gun sessions and, and um, uh, carry gun sessions and practice gun sessions or competition gun sessions. Uh, and being able to get multiple trips to the range, I'll, I'll go and I'll just shoot a competition gun today or I'll just shoot a carry gun today. Um, if you don't have that option, and, and as I say, I'm very fortunate it's not an option everyone has, it's a good idea to go with a plan for both. And even if you just put a mag through your carry gun, um, you know, if you carry a gun for self-defense, if you have a, you have a self-defense gun, don't just shoot your competition gun. Don't be the guy who goes to the range and shoots or girl who shoots their Shadow 2 exclusively because it's such an awesome gun and has such a great time. And then at the end of the session, that goes in the bag and out comes the Glock 26 and it goes in your pants and you go about your business and all of a sudden you realize it's been two years since you put a round through, your, through, through the gun that you carry every day. So make sure you, you're breaking that up as well. So something on the planning thing um, that came up in the, the Kita interview that we did a couple of weeks ago, um, she mentioned that she's bringing out a new book um, that included things like how to structure your training. We haven't seen the book, so I can't talk much to that, but I can 
quote something that she said during that that interview and she said you should be planning your training one week in advance setting up a giant uh plan or schedule for the next six months of how you're going to be training and shooting and stuff probably doesn't work and the reason it doesn't work is things change your your work demand changes and you might not be able to go to the range and now you're skipping stuff that you've added in there uh your weaknesses change um you you need to realistically be focusing on one maintaining your fundamentals at a good level when you go to the range and then in addition to that work whatever is your weakest skill uh, on top of that um and your weakest skill is if you're spending enough time dry firing and and, and live firing if you can uh, your weakest skill is probably going to change weekly uh, because the last thing you trained hard is no longer going to be your weakest skill unless you really sucked at it to begin with, um, which is fine. Then you do you do it two weeks in a row, but don't plan to do something else then the next week uh, if you're not happy with the level that your your weakest skill set is at at the moment. Um, so for me, you know, my normal if I, if I have a practice session, there's a couple of drills that um, there's a couple of drills that I do that are pretty universal. Um, I'm a big fan of of Larry Vickers and Ken Hackathorn's test. I do that with a with a carry gun or with a competition gun, and I do all the variants. So the half test at five meters, the test at ten meters, the the, the super test at fifteen meters. I really like the combination of speed and accuracy that it requires. It's a very high standard of accuracy, higher than you're generally going to need in competition, which isn't a bad thing. Um, and this sort of accuracy standard, you should be looking at with a defensive gun. At, at quite a tight, tight sort of time level. And if you, you, you're meeting those times and, and a rough idea, it's 10 shots in each at each distance, five seconds at five meters, 10 seconds in 10 seconds at 10 meters, 15 seconds at 15 meters. Sorry, I'm just moving a cat. Um, and if, if you're meeting, you know, if, if you find that's not challenging enough, make it three and a half seconds at five, at five meters, five seconds at 10 meters and seven and a half seconds at 15 meters. And if you don't find that challenging, you're not listening to the show because you're Eric Rafael. Yeah, that's uh, pretty sporting. <laughs> it's it's exciting. Smokes. Um, so that's a, and, and you can, you can start those depending on your skill level. You can start those high uh, at a low ready. Um, if, if, if you're making that comfortably, you can go from the holster with a self-defense gun. I like to do it from concealment. So that's one of those drills that I will generally do pretty much every range session. Um, I find it quite a useful one. Uh, dot torture is one of those drills that that's also I do a fair amount. It's a really good way to spend 50 rounds. I wouldn't do dot torture for 500 rounds like Gaz mentioned earlier, but if all I've got is 50 rounds, I'll probably do a dot torture uh, because it just it, it forces me to sort of settle down and work on a variety of skills. It's also a good way to test a change on a gun or something like that. Uh, if I'm doing defensive stuff, almost every defensive gun training session, I'll do Gabe White's uh, uh, food court standards. Um, I just think they're really, really good drills. It's also a good way to get a baseline of where you are. It's easy to keep track of what your normal times are on those. If your times start increasing, you need to look at where you're going down. Is it your draw? Is it your splits? Is it a, an accuracy thing? Is it something like that? If you're improving, where are you improving? How can you work those skills? Uh, so those are those are a couple of the drills that, that, that are kind of staples for me. And then it's a it, it's a good idea to kind of chunk skills. You know, what what do I need to work on? If I'm working on, if I'm shooting, if I'm practicing shotgun, I'm going to do a lot of reloading. Why? Because that's a necessary skill. Uh, if I'm doing, um, you know, if I'm doing pistol shooting, well, I'll do less reloading. I'll do reloading, but that reloading, you can get a lot of value out of dry fire. So it can be a bit of a waste of time on the range. It might make a bit more sense on the range to work on on other skills that are harder to do uh, dry fire. So in order to go and shoot standards, you need to take targets. Um, and this is often overlooked, which is why people go to the range and they end up just sort of plinking at coke cans in the background, or they shoot less ideal targets that are just available at the range. Um, some of the targets that are available at ranges for, for purchase are not the kind of targets you want to be practicing on. And the reason I say that is they typically have fairly lax uh, accuracy standards based based on the way that they're, they're printed or set up. Um, you can still make that work if you're dedicated to shooting the smallest group that you can shoot. You'll concentrate and you'll shoot the smallest group you can shoot. But if you're shooting on a target, if you're trying to go fast, 
and remain accurate and you're shooting on a target that's twice as big as the one you 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 normally shoot at in competitions and your your target zone is the target uh, you're not really doing yourself any any favors you're probably getting faster you're probably losing accuracy in that process um so pistolforum.com, pistol, uh, no, sorry, not pistol forum, pistol training, pistol-training.com is a place that you can visit on the internet uh, where you can find uh, targets and descriptions of some of the drills that we're talking about. It's a really great resource for, for finding um, well-designed, well-thought-out and basically industry standard skills tests that you can go and do. Um, so I wouldn't go the right. Pistolforum.com is probably the best gun forum around at the moment. Um, while we, while we get defensor rolling properly. Um, yeah, Pistol Forum is spectacular. Uh, sorry, Baxter. Uh, no, Pistol Forum is a, is a spectacular forum. There are some really good drills on there, some really good info. Um, Gabe White uh, has, a, has a drill of the week. Um, so there's, there's a lot of material there if you're looking for stuff to do. There, there are a whole lot of you, – you'll never run out of drills. Um, jokes aside, there are so many good drills out there. If you if you if you have a look around, if you use your imagination a little bit, there are so many good drills out there that it's pretty easy to find stuff to keep you focused and motivated. Um, and it's a lot easier to be focused and motivated when you're going to the range and you're working on something than when you're shooting dirt clots. You know, if you're shooting shotgun shells in the backstop, that gets kind of dull pretty quickly because either it works or it doesn't. Um, but if, you, if you're working on drills where there's a measurable standard, so you've got Gabe White's food court standard drills or Scott Jadlinski's um, black belt standards, which are sporty as fuck is the technical term for those. Um, if you're running those, I can almost guarantee you you're not going to make those 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 times. Um, you know, Gabe's turbo turbo level or or, or Scott's uh, black belt level. You're not going to do those the first time. You're not going to do those the second time. You're probably not going to do those the tenth time. Uh, and that that's a really good thing. You know that that gives you something to be working and and don't just practice the drill. You know if you're and that's an important thing. If 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 you're if your weakness or, or your current challenge to be sort of in, in in with current corporate lingo is that on a bull drill, you as an example, you can run 16 splits no problem, but your draw is 1.5 seconds. It doesn't make a huge amount of sense to be doing hundreds of bull drills trying to work on those on, on getting those splits to 1.4. What makes sense is to be working lots of one and two shot draws to get that draw down from the 1.5 to a second and then going back to the ball drills to make sure that it holds up. Exactly. So the important thing to understand with, with most of these drills is that they are a skills test and not a skill development. Um, there will be individual portions of these drills where you fail or that's, that's making you fail the standard. You will need to go and work those skills independently of the drill in order to get better at them. And then you'll put all those better skills together to actually meet the standard of that test. Another excellent one to go and try if you really want to cry at night because you will hate yourself when you fail it, um, because you will fail it. Uh, you can go and do the, uh, what is that thing called? Um, fast roll. Go, go look up the fast roll. And uh, that's pretty bloody sporting. Uh, there's a reason so few people have got pins for that. Um, other than the fact that you need to shoot it in front of that the, the current instructor, who I think is Langdon. Yeah, it's Ernest Langdon. You have, to sh- you have to shoot in front of right now. Who's just made me very, very sad. Well, Dot and a Beretta. It's like two of my Eric, favorite things in the world ever. Yeah, Tarek's not sad about that. Tarek's just sad he can't have one. Mm. I'm sad I don't have one right now in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Completely understandable. <clears throat> so um, I think something that, that's been fairly common throughout this is that all three of us will start a day at the range with some form of accuracy test. Uh, for Gaz, Gaz said he was shooting groups. Tarek said he was going to do uh, the test, which is accuracy with speed. Uh, but it's an accuracy drill. At the end of the day, I will generally start off shooting uh, B8 at 25. Uh, if I can get to 25 meters, sometimes I have to go to an indoor range and I have to shoot them at like 18. Um, but I'll shoot B8 at the maximum distance possible um, for at least a couple of groups before I move on to anything else. Uh, and I'll generally end the day shooting a B8 before I leave, uh, regardless of what I was shooting, regardless of what I was training throughout the day, I'll end the day shooting an accuracy test at the end. 
Um, yeah, and just keep in mind that those the the distances we're talking about with these accuracy drills and that can be adjusted to suit your current skill level with the accuracy thing. I find myself often shooting groups at 15 meters. I don't yep. always have to be shooting them at 25. Yeah, but yeah, the, you're not that good, guys. Uh, yeah, it's that mushy clock trigger, man. <laughs> the problem with shooting them at 25 if you can't hold every round on the target at 25. They don't have to all be in the X ring at 25. So we can do that. That's that's pretty. I mean, you're you're a beast of a shooter. That's sporting, yes. Yeah, if you can't keep them all on the paper at 25 at least, and you can't tell where those rounds went, it's not going to help you fix the problem. You won't be able to diagnose it if they're complete misses. Uh, so bringing it into a point where you can at least hold all the rounds on the paper uh, and then see where you're going wrong so you can correct it is, is much better than just trying to go for the maximum distance that people typically say, oh, I should be 8 to 25. And you you get like, you shoot a 10 round group and you get down to the bottom. We've got three rounds on the paper in the bottom left-hand corner. And the rest are like, I don't know where they went. That That's not helping you. Um, yeah. Which is another reason why with dot torture, start really close. It's going to hurt your feelings. But until you can shoot dot torture clean, and I mean the, the proper definition of clean, everything inside the circles, uh, I would probably be pretty strict and not cut, not, not count cuts. Cut. Well, everything counts cuts except the Yeti. Yeah. And I, I love the Yeti, but it's one of the few things I disagree with him on. No, well, well, it touches would, scoring zone, it scores. Would you move back to five from three on, on dot torture if, you, if you've got a bunch of cuts? If you're cleaning it, and if you're cleaning it and you're cutting it at three, and to be honest, most people can't clean it at three. But if you're cleaning it and you're cutting it at three, I don't think there's anything wrong with moving back. Okay, so T and I differ on that, which doesn't matter. Um, yeah, allowed to be wrong. <laughs> we, do agree. We, we disagree on the definition of clean, but we do agree on the fact that if you can clean it at three, you move back to five. If you can't clean it at three, moving it back to five is not helping you. Um, be sure that you can clean it before you, you move back. And, you know, on, on, on the group thing as well, there is no shame if that means you have to stand at seven meters and shoot a group. If that's where you are now, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of printing out BA, B8 centers. Um, and funnily enough, on pistolforum.com, uh, <clears throat> you can send the invoice back to, to uh, um, the, if, if you print out the, um, there are some B8 replacements you can print out, and there's a white one as well. So it's just scoring rings. So you don't even have to use all your ink um, or the company's ink, and depending on how you're doing this, is you can print those out. <laughs> and if, if you can't keep everything in sort of the nine and 10 ring at 25 meters or at 15 or at 10, or, then try at seven. Um, once you're comfortably doing, once you're doing that, once you can, you can do that on demand, then increase the difficulty. If you're doing it on demand, then don't just stand at seven meters and shoot out the X-ring and go, I'm, you know, I'm a shooting guard. Uh, then move back to 10 meters. But if, if you're in a position where at 25 meters, you're struggling to keep them on the big brown silhouette uh, or on the A4 piece of paper, get to a position where you can keep them on the A4 piece of paper, at least semi-regularly, and, and work on, on tightening that up. And then add difficulty. So you always you, you don't want to be in a comfort zone. You never want to be settled down and going. I am comfortable doing this. Um, you know, I can I can stand whatever. You know, I can stand at ten meters and I can shoot the X ring out every time. Then you're not learning anything. Then you need to add the difficulty. Uh, if you can stand at twenty five meters and shoot the X ring out all the time, awesome. Now do it strong hand only. Then do it weak or other hand or support hand or whatever fucking bullshit terminology you want to use only. Um, but but keep yourself within a don't don't destroy your confidence by standing at twenty five meters and trying to do this weekend only when you struggle to do it at five meters freestyle. Uh, but by the same token, don't don't blow smoke up your own backside by standing at, at three meters and shooting the extra out. Yep, absolutely. Uh, something else to bear in mind is some drills should be run cold, which comes back into, to, to get a fair assessment of skill, which comes back to planning your range session. If, if you want to go do a, a, a drill that really should be run cold, you get to the range and you haven't got a plan and you shoot a couple of rounds in the backstop or whatever, and then you do the drill, that's no longer cold. Um, so that's, that's an important thing to plan for. I'm not saying you should always be running drills that should be shot cold when you get to range. I said I, I like to do accuracy things first. 
Um, but if there's a, a specific draw that should be run cold, I will run that very first and then move on to my accuracy stuff because otherwise it's not a fair assessment of your skill at that at that point. Something else to bear in mind with this, this is something that, that unfortunately the, I think the internet has made worse. There is a difference between your best performance and your on-demand performance. Yep. And don't make the mistake of confusing those two things. So using the bull drill as an example, and the bull drill means standing at seven meters, drawing and firing six shots in the A zone of the target, um, and sort of classically a master time on that is two seconds or less. If you shoot it in 1.5 seconds and you shoot one Charlie, you have not successfully done the bull drill. You, you fall intents and purposes fail. If that's a speed mode practicing, that's fine, but you don't get to tell everyone you do a 1.5 second bull drill because you didn't. If you can consi- if you consistently do a bull drill, six alphas in 2.1 seconds, and one day, every so often, you pull out a 179, that doesn't mean you're a 179 bull drill shooter. It means you're a 2.1 second bull drill shooter. And the only person you're hurting by bullshitting you, yourself is you. Um, it, it doesn't change anything else in the great scheme of things. All it does is hurt you by by pretending that that you're doing something you can't. So be realistic with yourself. And, and it's not a bad idea to keep track of these times. Keep notes. Um, so if you're running certain, if you're running the dot torture and you go, shit, I can consistently do, you know, I generally do 47 out of 50 at, at five meters. That's awesome. You're a 47 out of 50 at five meter bull drill dot uh, torture shooter. I'll tell you what. You're That's better impressive. than 99% of shooters in the world. Yep. If you do 150, you don't get to claim you can clean dot torture on demand. Um, nope. Cleaning dot torture on demand, however you score it, Corneille's wrong way or my right way, means that every time you do it at five meters, you are shooting 50 out of 50. I don't know, actually know anyone who can do that. Um, nope. So that's something to bear in mind. It's, it's important to be realistic with yourself about where those skills are. And it's not a competition. Um, it's not a, you know, going on the internet or, or, or sitting with your buddies and going, well, I did a 179 bull drill and I did a 182 bull drill and I did all of this. And you forget to mention the bit that the one had two deltas and a Charlie and the one had two Charlies. Guess what? None of those count. Um, it only counts on that if it's all alphas. Uh, you know, if whatever the scoring system is, use the scoring system of that drill because it's, it, if it's a decent drill, there's a reason for that balance. Uh, so you can't go, well, I shot this drill. If you want to make it harder, make it tighter. So, you know, if you want to go do the old air marshal, um, you know, uh, qualification shoot, and instead of, because we don't all have a whole lot of FBIQ targets lying around, you just want to use an A zone. Well, you've just made it harder for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but don't don't kind of go, well, I did the drill and I managed to hit somewhere on the entire freaking USPSA target somewhere, so I'm going to give myself the points because that doesn't help anyone. So this will hurt feelings, but generally no one gives a fuck what your bull drill time is. No one cares if you can clean dot torture. No one cares if you can shoot a decent group of 25. That only matters to you. Um, you can, If you shoot an awesome score, share it with your friends. I'm sure that they'd be delighted to see it and, and hear it and see the video. And But lying to get a better score or being lax on the way that you score it in order to get a better score doesn't help you. It's um, like cheating at video games. It's stupid. Tarek's a little bit butter. It's about Warzone at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like cheating at video games. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> So that, that that's a good point. You need to be responsible for your own skills development and look after the way you develop those skills. With, uh, both the way you think about what you're doing with things and with the way that you approach doing that skills development. So the other thing, when we go past the sort of typical beginning of the, the session for us, which is accuracy-based, don't be afraid to randomize your training as much as possible randomizing is typically going to allow you to work on multiple skills over a shorter period than trying to fix one skill over a longer period of time. You can get more significant games in a shorter time by working on a variety of different things in each session. So just keep that in your mind and in your notebook. Talk about working on different skills at the same time. I'm not a great advocate of trying to learn a bunch of things at the same time. I quite like isolation of stuff. 
but skills that you know how to do, do them. Um, so if you're shooting an accuracy drill and you run your pistol dry at the end of it in your training, you can't do this really on like match days and things. You probably could elect to do it, but it's stupid. Um, if you run your pistol dry, so you load your gun, you're going to shoot a 10 round group, load your gun with 10 rounds, shoot your group. And when your gun goes to slide lock, do a speed reload. You're getting, you're not going to shoot the rounds. You're just going to unload the gun after that. But you're, you're practicing a skill that you already know what to do. And the moment your gun goes dry, your brain should go, oh, fuck, my gun doesn't work. Fix it. That should be, a, a, that should be embedded in you. Um, it's the same way that if your gun goes click, you should do a tap rack. Even if you expect your gun to go click because you know that you've just shot out your last round because you loaded the 10 rounds and you know your slide lock doesn't work. So the gun is going to go click. doesn't matter. Tap rack at the end of that. It, it builds better skill and it builds immediacy in action. Um, lots of guys go to the range. Uh, I saw this in a recent training event I attended. Um, if my gun ro- guns runs dry, my gun gets reloaded immediately. But a lot of people go into this lax mode where they'll take forever to reload the gun. And that's creating a habit of doing things slowly, uh, which, which doesn't aid in your, in your development. Um, do it now, do it immediately, do it as quickly as possible uh, to get that weapon. Yeah, so using the reload example, there's no point having a speed reload and uh, I need to kind of get some bullets in my gun reload. Uh, you, you, you can get that, that repetition in that those motions should be the same. So the way you load the gun ideally should be the way you load the gun. Uh, you, you don't need to have a, because as, as Cornet says, what can quite easily happen is we end up doing more of those. I've got to get some bullets in my gun than, than speed reloads. And one day when you do need to reload the gun under, under, you know, in a hurry, you're going, well, I'm going to put some bullets in my gun and try and get it shooting again. Yeah, and I just want to go back to the randomization part of your training quickly. One thing to keep in mind, and Cornet pointed it out, is you don't want to be trying to fix or improve more than one thing at a time. So, for example, if you've set up a, a drill on the range that requires a draw, movement, transitions, and possibly a reload, that's a lot to work on. You cannot improve on all of those things at the same time. You'd have to isolate something. Maybe your reload needs a little bit of work. And the way you can sort of work that out is if you've got that drill with all those areas in it, run it and see what your longest period of time is and work to reduce that first if you want to get faster. Maybe it's an accuracy issue, but that's a different story. So make sure you're working on one thing at a time. Trying to improve more than one thing at a time is just going to frustrate you. That's for sure. So Gaz touched on something very important there. Um, you need to observe and figure out what the longest, what's taking the longest, what is your weakest bit there. Um, the first thing that you need for that is shot timers. Take a shot timer when you go and train. Not everything needs a shot timer. If I'm shooting groups, I'm not shooting on the time. Um, but for pretty much everything else, unless the drill specifically says that there is no time limit, I'm using a timer. Uh, even if I'm not chasing time, I'm still using a timer because I want to know where I'm losing time. Um, and there's two ways of identifying your problems there is if you know how many rounds you fired, you can look at the splits between different positions. For instance, I know that I fired three rounds and then I ran three meters and then I fired three rounds. So in the middle of the first, after the first three rounds, I can look at the time it took and I can work out how long it took me to, to run that distance. Second way to do it, the way that I like to do it, but this is slower. This is not really on the range analysis. This is more when you get home uh, for planning your next session is I'll pack two GoPros. Uh, I'll have a GoPro and a hat. I used to do this in matches, but I've decided that, that it's, it's too much of a distraction, so I no longer do it. But for training, I'll have a GoPro and a hat, and I'll have a GoPro and a tripod. Uh, so one recording third person and one recording first person, and I'll have something to look at when I get home. Uh, because sometimes you get your mind gets so stuck in what you're trying to do that it doesn't look at the video that you've just taken uh, with, with any form of uh, reality. Like, I think that my draw is slow, and I'm going to work my draw. And you get home, you go, well, no, my draw is perfectly fine, but my transition takes like four times as long as my draw took. It's just my mind was stuck on draws, and as a result, that's what I practiced. Um, So having some way of figuring out what you need to work on is really good, Uh, be it by looking at a shot timer, looking at a video, or if you have uh, the opportunity to train with a friend who can look at you while you're doing it and go, dude, that's the thing that needs work. That's the thing that's holding you back. Uh, That's a really good way of doing it. A couple of things, what Cornet said, um, your internal stop, stopwatch is a liar. So 
don't go to the range and go that felt fast and that felt slow because it's completely irrelevant how it felt. Um, often you'll feel really fast and then if you were to watch a video, you'd be shocked. Sometimes you'll feel really slow and if you were to be, be, watch a video, you'd be really shocked. Sometimes you feel really slow and you are. Sometimes you really feel really fast and you are. Feelings are not the most reliable things in the world. Um, a timer is a pretty reliable thing. That little thing will tell you how long this took. Uh, and trying to get faster without a timer is like trying to get more accurate without a target. Um, I can't remember who said that, but they were quite clever. So don't try and be, you know, you, 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 you wouldn't go to the range and go, I'm going to go work in my groups by shooting into the burn. Uh, people would think you were mad. That go where's your target? By the same token, don't go to the range and go, I'm going to go fast. Okay, well, I'm going to get faster. Well, where's your timer? No, no, I don't, I don't use a timer. There's no timer on the streets. Uh, the timer is a tool to measure your your performance. So take advantage of that. The video is also a useful thing in dry fire and live fire uh, because it, it'll often show you things. You'll be surprised how often you'll watch the video and the video and your recollection of the event are not the same. Uh, eyewitnesses are probably the most unreliable things in the world, and you are generally the most unreliable eyewitness for yourself. You may remember the stage as really positive. You may remember it as really negative. You may – or the drill or whatever. Um, what the what the, the video will often give you is a perspective of, of what's going wrong. And especially if you're trying to shave – a small segment of time, even big segments. But if if you've got to try and find a tenth here or two tenths there, a video is a really good tool for that. Um, you know, the the smaller the time period you're trying to shave, the more subtle the little things you're going to need to do to improve that are. Um, so you you need to be aware of that. If 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 you're trying to go. Shit, I need to take two tenths of a second off this. That's not going to be something big. Um, that's not going to be something big and obvious. That might be a, a subtle thing to do with the position of the gun, position of the magazine, position of the shelves, what, what, whatever that sort of thing is. Um, and, and a video can be a really useful tool to give you a little bit of feedback there. I've got I've got a bit of an experience with that, kind of. Timers are going to be completely honest with you. They're going to praise you when you do good, but they're also going to let you know what needs your attention when you don't do something good. So you you need to have a timer in your training. That's uh, For me, it's non-negotiable. If my battery goes flat in my timer, I feel completely out of place. But recently at one of my training sessions, um, well, let's start at the beginning. I had a session planned to go and work on movement, and I had a five-position movement drill scenario thing to work on and halfway through that session there was a specific movement that i found a new gain in and i adjusted my session to work on that and see what i was finding what the gain was and what i was doing differently to get that gain so at the end of the day i achieved my goal of going to the range and working on movement because i had a breakthrough in a specific set of movements within that drill so i took everything away that i didn't have the gains in on that day and i worked in that area and I can continue working on it in that area because I've had a gain. So don't be afraid to adjust your session if you find something that you're either doing well and maybe you need to get a couple of repetitions on it or you need to test what was different. And don't be afraid to adjust your session based on how you're currently performing in that session, That's good both point. good and bad. Also, I think related to that is, especially if you're learning a new skill, um, you don't always you don't need to try and learn that skill at 10-10 speed. To get some reps in. No, slow is not smooth, and smooth is not fast, and speed will not come with time or any of the other bullshit that people have told you. Um, fast is fast, and slow is slow, and smooth might be other of those. But you you can get those rip, reps. You can build that mile, and you can build the, that automaticity by doing the reps uh, and by doing the reps correctly. Uh, and sometimes that involves not doing the reps, trying to chase the timer. Um, you know, if, if you're working on a particular skill, maybe sometimes it's worth getting getting some reps in to make sure you know what you're doing before you add the timer. Uh, 
because sometimes with the timer we just try and mongo through it and 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 muscle through and 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 we we're not we, we're not consistent we're not getting the same sort of results uh and we're not getting better it doesn't mean do everything without the timer but sometimes we just need to work on the skill as opposed to the skill at speed uh, not because we're trying to get faster not contradicting what i said earlier but because we're trying to get skill down and then once we've got an idea of the skill then we can try and make that skill faster just something else to bear in mind um skill isn't set in stone the fact that i am currently doing a suck numbers out my thumb the fact that i'm currently doing a one second draw to an alpha doesn't mean that in six months time i'm going to be able to do that um so right now i might be able to run draws on the timer and work on speed but something might happen in life that takes you back a little bit and you might go back to a position where you have to do it without the timer to get the skill back down again. Um, this often happens with shooters who don't shoot for a long period of time, but it also happens with injury and recovery. Um, if you've done yourself some significant injury that you need to recover from, same way that you have to go for physio or, or something to, to get things moving the same way that it used to, uh, you may need to at times go back to doing basic skills at basic speed. Uh, in order to get your body to to be able to perform those things again. Um, I think that's also probably quite common with guys who pick up repetitive strain injuries and things from shooting uh, heavy recoiling ammo a lot, um, where you might end up with um, not so much you have to relearn a skill you already know, but you may need to adjust the skill that you know uh, in a way that it stops hurting you in the future. Um, so that's re- that's not just relearning, that's unlearning and relearning, which which typically takes significantly more time uh, and then trying to do it at speed is not going to do you any favors because you're going to fall back to the most familiar way of doing it. So very important be, point. Yeah, very good point. You're also going to be careful of, of not um, sort of having the soul destroying experience of having not picked up that gun for six months, picking it up and suddenly discovering you're not as fast and accurate as you were with it six months months ago uh, and, and a lot of people struggle to kind of get their head around it because they go i'm capable of doing x well you were when you were working on it you haven't touched that gun for six months um one of those things is going to suffer or both uh you know and and one may suffer more than the other you may find that your accuracy is still okay but but your speed's taken a 40 percent knock you may find that your speed's pretty okay but at that speed your accuracy is a joke um so you, you may need to reset a little bit, throttle back, and and kind of take stock of where you are. You you'll find generally if you've if you've got a fair amount of repetitions, those those, those neural pathways are still there. You just need to kind of dust them off and and get them running again. Exactly. So something I'm also I'm quite big on with the training, uh, because I I kind of I straddle both um, both sort of lives the the Timmy and the gamer life is I like to, when I do gamer practice, I use my gamer gear. So if I'm shooting IPSC stuff, it's an IPSC gun from an IPSC holster on IPSC targets. If I'm doing defensive stuff, it's my carry gun from my carry holster on humanoid targets. Uh, I don't shoot my carry gun on IPSC targets um, because that's not kind of what it's for. It, 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 it reduces the things. I mean, if that's the only targets you've got, those are the only targets you've got. But it reduces the things I can do with them. Um, so I try, and, I try and do, and I do carry gun drills with my carry guns, and I do IPSC drills with my IPSC guns. There, there is some crossover, things like, you know, things like dot torture, things like the test um, that are really, you know, that, that, that kind of straddle both lines and are quite useful. But a lot of drills, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do sort of, you know, Blake drills with my carry gun because that's that's more a, a competition sort of skill. Um, I'm not going to do failure to stop drills with my EPSIC gun because we don't have heads on the targets. So it's – and I want that sort of mindset switch a little bit of, you know, this is a competition gun. This is what I need to do. This is a carry gun. This is what I need to do as opposed to trying to – muddle through through both with them if you're using the same gun for both you're probably not using the same holster um so you know you can take your your g19 or your po7 or your px4 or whatever stick it in your inside the waistband holster do defensive stuff and especially the defensive stuff do do it in a way that resembles how you actually carry that gun 
um, realistically. So if your if your realistic carry gun is a Ruger LCP in your right front pocket, then practice that gun from your right front pocket. Um, don't put on a little belt holster and do some drills with it when you're practicing and go, I'm so awesome, and then throw it back in your pocket and try and fish around to get it. Uh, it, it, it doesn't do you any good. You know, once again, the only person you're lying to. So that's a little bit less likely to, with, with competition gear. Obviously, if you're shooting from IDPA, shoot it from your sort of IDPA concealment gear. Uh, but that's, you know, that that's a little bit less challenging. But we see, I see a lot of guys who's all their carry gun practice is not done with their carry gear. Um, you know, there's the extreme of the guy who goes, oh, I'm going to do some carry gun stuff and takes his Glock 34 with its X300 and its RMR and all its cool guy stuff and he draws it from his spotlight and he runs drills and he goes, yeah, I'm sorted for defensive stuff, throws it in the range bag, takes the LCP, throws it in the front pocket because that's what he actually carries. Um, or the, as I said, the, the, the putting, it, putting it in a, a more convenient holster than that. If you're carrying on an ankle, if you're carrying in a moon bag because it's 1987, if you're carrying in a, in a, in a pocket or whatever, um, try and get, with a lot of those, you're not going to get a huge amount of dry, live fire repetition in, but then you're going to have to get a huge amount of dry fire repetition in. Uh, don't, don't carry in an ankle holster and do all your drills with your gun started in your hand because it's not going to magically get into your hand. So a couple of things on that. Um, the first one is the switch between carry gear and, and competition gear. Uh, I like to, if I'm training competition stuff specifically, um, do the stuff that I do when I shoot competitions. So unless it's a stand-in-the-box draw, um, if there's any movement or any transitions or things involved, I will actually do a stage plan for that stuff before I shoot it. Uh, and I'll try and visualize the stage plan like I would when I shoot a match. Um, because that's another skill that needs to be worked. You may not need it for the particular stage that you're shooting as you're training, um, but it's not because you need it for that draw. It's because you need to build that skill. Um, the same is sort of true for carry stuff. For carry stuff, I probably would not do a walkthrough uh, if there's any sort of movement stuff involved because it, it's not part of the, the thing that I'm trying to train. Um, the other thing is um, going to the range prepared. Uh, Gaz touched on this earlier. Uh, if you go to the range with a dead battery in your shot timer, uh, you're sort of relegated to shooting groups the rest of the day <laughs> or finding a battery somewhere. Um, if you go to the range and you were hell-bent on, on shooting a particular drill and you get the range and you realize you don't have targets, well, that's sort of gone out the window. Um, you forget the inner belt from your IPSA grip. Now yeah, you're shooting stuff. Been there, done that. <laughs> I mean, you can make it work. Yeah, but me too. If you have a plan um, and you can write down what you should have to make that plan work before you leave, you can double check and make sure that you have all the stuff. Um, that's that's very helpful because it doesn't mess with your 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 day as much as it does if you uh, you end up realizing that you did actually forget something. The other thing is I like to preload magazines. Um, I don't like to get to the range and then spend my range time loading magazines. Um, I'll go with as many magazines as I possibly can. Uh, and this is going to be contradictory. I will cram them full of all the ammos, okay, so that I don't have to load mags. But now the next thing I'm going to say is going to be contradictory. Downloading magazines for your training is a good idea because it's going to force you to do reloads, which if you're shooting a – if you go to the range and you go, I'm going to go train this stuff, what I'm going to do is he said I should take all the ammo. I'm going to load up five 33-round stick mags, uh, and I'm going to go shoot those. Uh, that's probably giving you less than loading no, double that number of, of 15 round mags or loading your mags to 10 rounds so you can get more loading uh, repetitions in. As long as that doesn't mess with the actual draw you're doing. If you have to I, shoot I'm 12 gonna, rounds. I'm, I'm going to disagree with Corneau there. Go for it. Um, I think if you want to work reloads, work reloads. I think if, you, if you're trying to work other drills, if you're working bull drills and four rounds in, you run out of ammo. Yeah, as long as it doesn't mess with the drill. You've, you've taken away from that drill. So I think from a defensive point of view, I think a lot of people dramatically overestimate the value of reloads. Um, from a competition point of view, they're, they're really important. And, and I think they're, they're something that you can work pretty hard in dry fire quite easily. Um, but I don't want my session competition or defensive ruined or, 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 or detracted from because something gets in the way of my learning. If, if, if I'm trying to learn how to do a, a Mozambique or, or we're not supposed to call it a Mozambique tool anymore, a failure to stop drill, um, 
and one round in I have to do a reload. I haven't done that repetition that would have been, into my mind, more beneficial. Uh, getting a As good failure to stop or, or doing anything like that would have been more beneficial you know, than, than forcing a reload in the middle there. No, no, I, I tend to agree with T there. I think that separating your stuff is going to be far more valuable for you. To get more reloads in, you're going to compromise something else. That's basically what T's saying. And we can take that a step further. So typically, we want to isolate skills, work on them, improve them, and then we want to put them into a drill that requires us to do them with other stuff. So don't just think that it's splits or build drills or dot torches or groups that you have to do. Analyze your shooting, work it out. So for me at the moment, I'm working a lot on partial targets, no shoots, long distance, distance change up, steel targets. Every time I go to the range, I've got those elements in there. That's that's what I want to work on. That's what I want to improve on. Whether I want to improve on the consistency of being able to do that or get faster, I'm still working on it at the end of the day. Once I feel confident that I've got something out of it, I've got some gains, I'm going to put something together that's going to require all of that. And it could be a case of having all of those targets, the partials, the no shoots, the steel targets, wire transitions, distance change up, and I add movement into the drill and see if I can maintain what I've been practicing. So you basically create a test for yourself to see if the work you've been putting in is paying off. That makes sense. I'd also like to point out that because Corneille shoots 1911s, he wants everyone else to start with half a magazine so that he feels... Please download you guys to 10 rounds. At least equal. <laughs> He's down yeah, but, got cool. 10 rounds. <laughs> but if when you've got a 17 round mag and he's got three rounds in his full mag, it makes him feel bad. <laughs> exactly. But also remember, Corn, if we unload or download our guns, you have to download yours too. So you might as well start shooting some rolly with us, dude. Well, funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't a downloaded deliver just an empty gun? <laughs> Good point. Well presented. Well, considering the fact that a loaded 1911 is basically an empty gun, I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Sorry. I'd rather get the microphone away. T-Bag's dying. Mm. Slowly. It's probably not the way <laughs> It's just like something in my throat. Sorry. <clears throat> so so breaking down your your practice takes an open-minded requirement from your side you don't have to do fixed drills to get better analyze your shooting think about what you're doing and what you could do better and apply that in practice it doesn't have to be fixed standard drills it can be random transitions random layouts think about what you need to work on and apply some kind of drill that isolates that also if you're doing randomized drills make sure they're actually randomized don't go to the range and and set up a random drill and then you just run it in one way forever um you, most drills that involve some form of movement has got a way that you can do it from left to right and from right to left. Uh, and it's important to try both and, and practice both. Because you're probably weaker going one way than the other. Um, it's not necessarily the old classic, well, you're a right-handed shooter, you should shoot in a particular order. Uh, but for some and of we us... We see moving, that all the time. We see people who, who, who choose really bad stage plans because someone told them that they must move, if you're right-handed, you must move left to right. And they'd be able to to move more efficiently right to left, but they're scared because they've been told it's a problem. Uh, so being able to do both means you can, in a match, have the best stage plan as opposed to having the set, set strategy that you do every time. And sometimes stages are, I don't want to say specifically designed to mess with you based on a fixed order, but we occasionally see stages where the obvious way of doing it, which is the, the sort of standard direction that people usually try and move, is hurting you significantly because you have you have five targets and moving the one direction, all five targets are visible the whole time and moving the other way, three are obscured for half the stage. Um, being able to do both is important and to do that, you need to practice both. So if we go one step further into that, what Corne is saying now, let's say you are working on transitions there is benefit to doing something like a black drill. That's a very good drill to do. But something else that has maybe even better benefit for you is sort of like a random layout of targets. And you can mix it up with full targets, plates, partials, 
I've become very fond of working on my transitions in that environment because they are isolated. It's not like I'm doing movement or anything like that. And also what we typically see from a, a competition point of view is just that we will see random target arrays that very seldom have any sort of symmetry. They're not all at the same distance, same angle. Sometimes you have depends to adjust. On the club. Well, yeah, it depends <laughs> on the club. Um, but typically we're seeing random transitions or, or target layout. So, Doing that in your practice is also good. And when you've got that random layout, don't spend the whole session of 300 or 500 rounds going left to right or right to left. Start on the steel first. Start on this paper, go to that paper, or go steel and then paper. Mix it up as much as you can so that you're not always doing the same string of fire exactly the same way every time. Change directions, make wide transitions, narrow transitions, distance change up. Work on all those things. And then if you're trying to get faster at your transitions, revert back to your timer to see what exactly is happening in those transitions. Yep. Um, so familiarity with a particular drill. Um, and I don't mean that as being familiar with a drill, but doing it many, many times in a row me- makes you lazy uh, because you stop focusing because you get into a pattern. Um, patterns are very patterns are usually counterproductive to, to actual learning because you disengage, your mind disengages. Um, and we love patterns. Yep, we do. We look for patterns in everything. Especially if you're a little bit like uh, OCD, like some people. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this towel that's skewed behind me, Derek? I just pointed yeah. out. <laughs> there aren't even tiles in the, in the like, frame and he wants to kill me. So. <laughs> but talking about patterns and repetition, there's definitely a time and place for repetition. Mm. It's skills no. development and typically in making speed gains, typically. Repetition is the mother of learning. Uh, yes. So, so yeah, you, you've got to do those repetitions. I think it's that it's that line between just repeating something that, you know, like a draw is a draw, uh, and it's a really good idea to get lots of repetitions on a draw. Practicing a transition between two targets at a set distance can be useful, but it can also reach a point where you're not transitioning, getting a sight picture and firing the shot. You've kind of built up a, 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 a sort of an understanding of I can. In, you've built up an index, you know, and that's where a whole lot of point shooting training works. You spend the whole day point shooting at a target that's in the same place the whole day, and eventually you build a bit of an index. Um, that doesn't help you for anything if you can't do it cold. So yeah, it's got to be that that sort of fine line between am I doing repetitions to improve my skill set or am I doing repetitions because now I know where that target's going to be and I can point my arms in the general direction and wang two rounds at it. Yep, and that's the same thing with with, with draws and things too. Um, You do need lots of repetitions to get really slick at drawing. But if you're always drawing to the same target at the same distance from the same spot, you're not learning speed. You're learning that draw. Um, yes. And that's what I'm talking about. So familiarity is a bad thing. Uh, repetition is a really good thing. Familiarity is a bad thing because, like I said, your mind disengages and your body just goes through the motion. And at that point, you're not learning. You're not paying attention to what you're doing that could potentially be improved. And you're probably not getting faster because there isn't really a uh, a tangible benefit for your mind to try and push to go faster. Um, so if you have to do the same draw from to the same target all the time, because that's just the setup you have in your dry fire space, for instance, you have to reduce the time uh, because that's a variable. If you have the same time, same target, same distance, um, you're, you're not learning. You're not improving. Yeah, that's that covers that up for me. And that that sort of that, that simplified and explained my question. And I think that's going to cover it quite well for uh, for a lot of people. Awesome. I think to recap, when you're going to the range, have a plan. Don't don't go to the range with a giant bucket of bullets and go. My what I'm going to do today is shoot all these bullets. Uh, have a plan that, that involves a, a reasonable amount of ammunition, and that's going to depend on what you have access to. And then stick to that plan, uh, unless you find something that that's throwing you completely. So, if you if all of a sudden you go to the range and your plan was to do something high speed, low drag, and you decide to start with a 25 meter group and you can't hit the target at 25 meters, well, guess what, Sunshine? Today's rain session is learning how to hit the target at 25 meters, as an example. But have a plan, work skills, and don't do the, just do the things you're good at. You need to do those to maintain them. 
but go work the skills that that you struggle with. Go work the things that you don't like doing so that you can get better at those as well. Uh, and the more you can practice dry and, and live, uh, the more benefits you're going to get. But make sure it's productive practice. Make sure you're not going through the motions. Make sure you're not just shooting bullets. Make sure that, that what you're working on is, is going to improve your skill set in some way or another, be it a small amount, be it a massive amount. I think the last thing I want to touch on is we, we've sort of mentioned round count a little bit, um, but duration. Um, for practice, I tend to like shorter range sessions. Uh, it doesn't mean that I rush through the day. It doesn't mean that I, I take super limited ammo, but I have done thousand round range days to go and train for a specific match. And I found those to be incredibly draining and probably at like 500 rounds, my attention spans gone. Um, I, I can go do a 500 round range day for, for training without much hassle. I'd probably be more comfortable with 300, 350 rounds, but I can do 500 rounds and, and not be too much worse for wear. Thousand rounds is way excessive for me. The day gets long and you, you end up getting beaten up by, by the gun um, eventually. So I think that it also depends on the skills you're working. Um, if, if you're going to the range and, and working accuracy, you know, distance and accuracy skills at 150 rounds, you might just be done. Yep. Um, I've done thousand rounds range sessions where I was done and then I was digging in my range bag to find any loose ammo anywhere uh, because it was, it was high volume, high duration stuff. Uh, and I find for me on that sort of stuff, lot lots of shooting helps um I, I make some big breakthroughs on that sort of thing when i when i get a chance to do a, a session like that um but uh, I, I wouldn't suggest it as the norm you know if you've got a thousand rounds you're probably better off doing three 330 round range sessions than 1000 rounds range sessions uh range session uh but they, they can be benefit in that. But yeah, most people at 300-odd rounds start sort of checking out. Sometimes you go to the range and at 200 rounds you realize that you just – sometimes it's worth going, this isn't going anywhere, packing up and, and saving the ammo rather than wasting it. I think that's yeah. the important bit is the uh, know your limits of what you can realistically do while still learning and still being productive on the day uh, and, and stick to that. You don't have to shoot every round you take. Uh, just because you took it, uh, if it's not if it's not teaching you anything, uh, it might be better going back some other day and 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 retrying that. Sorry, guys, you're gonna say yeah, I, no, no. I I agree with you guys. I typically don't like a, a super high round count session. If I'm really hungry to shoot, there's something that I want to work on. I'd rather increase the number of times I go to the range that week or throughout that period. I found more benefit personally from that, but I know that guys like Terry can, and a lot of guys will have a quite a good benefit and a good day out if they, they run a thousand round session when it's high volume, fast sort of stuff. The, uh, the last thing that I'll, well, related to round counts actually is that we've spoken about fairly high round counts and fairly regular practice. And realistically, not everyone can do that. And that's understandable. You are not limited to your progress if you can only shoot 100 rounds every two weeks or once a month. There's still a lot you can do with 100 rounds once a month in, in your development. So don't let the round counts put you off. You just have to approach your session slightly different and you need to conserve ammo as best you can. So be cautious of what you're doing in your practice to get the most out of the ammunition that you have. Now that's where the, the, the plan comes in. Uh, if you only have 100 rounds going to the range with the, the aim of practicing bold rolls and getting faster is an absolute waste of time because you're going to be out of ammo 12 minutes in. Like, but, that's but, doing, a, but doing 52-shot draws yes. could be a far more valuable thing. Yes, actual tangible. There might be a situation where doing 25 two-shot draws and a, and a, a dot torture will get you a lot more benefit than, as you say, 12 minutes of ball drills where you're probably not going to get that much better at that skill and you, you've now got no hammer. Yeah, and and if if your splits are something that really need your attention, maybe you're very new, you don't have to fire six shots in a string of fire. You don't have to do the, the strict standards of the ball drill. You can reduce that to three rounds and learn a lot in a string of fire. Four rounds, exactly. it depends on your round count. So that comes back to being open-minded and analyzing what you need to do and planning around it accordingly. 
exactly. and the last thing that I want to say is I'm a big fan of the Steve Anderson system uh, where he's got the speed mode, accuracy mode, and match mode. If you want to learn more about that and you want to learn more about how to practice, how to think about practice, um, definitely give his podcast, That Shooting Show, a listen. And if you want some really good materials that you can structure your practice better, try and get hold of his three books, which are Refinement and Repetition, Principles of Performance, and Get to Work. I thought they were called Steve Anderson's first book, second book, and third book. That's what I affectionately call them. (laughs) No, that doesn't suit my OCD. Oh, but uh, Steve likes case, it when you call it. In that <laughs> case, there is Steve Anderson's first book, his Bravo book, and the book that was the square root of nine. So okay, I, have, I have an important question <laughs> for, for Gaz specifically. Okay. The, of book one, book two, and book three, as we will call them from now on, just because it annoys you and Steve. Um, <laughs> are, they, are they an actual sequel? So you have to read book one, then book two, then book three, or are they like a Star Wars thing where you should really start with book three and then do book one and then do book two? Um, so they, those, th- that set or series of books complements each other. Refinement and repetition is the, is the more skills-based development where you're going to be doing the repetitions to develop skills. Principles of performance gets more involved in the mental side where things start getting complicated for a shooter. And then your third book puts everything together in one area and it redefines how you think about the shooting and how do, how do you apply yourself to the shooting and your improvement. How was that need all three shooters focus, ladies and gentlemen? Didn't even get thrown off by our bullshitting. On message. I like it. <laughs> he, he, he is really good at staying like on target. Um, lucky brains. <laughs> but no, Steve, Steve's books are, are a really, really good tool for a lot of this stuff. I, I don't think you'll go wrong with it. Actually, I know you won't go wrong with him. Yep, Even if he's wrong about Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I do like me some Iron Maiden. So I think that that covers quite a bit of stuff on this topic. Obviously, there's there's a whole lot more on it. But I think that gives us a really good sort of starting point. So go out to the range when you can. Go practice. Do the same thing with your dry fire. And uh, let us know how it works for you. you know, t- remember, we've got the, the various Facebook, we've got the Facebook page, we've got the various Facebook groups. Please keep in touch with us. Remember to send your questions for the, the, Q- the DVC Technologies Q&A show. Uh, let us know what you find useful, what you'd like us to discuss. You know, the, we, we can sit and talk shit and play video games. We don't need to record it. So we do this for you lot. So if there's stuff you want us to discuss, let us know, and we might even do it. We've we've done it before. So uh, please keep keep in touch. Uh, send the compliments to me. Send the complaints to Cornet. And on that note, later losers. <laughs>